Now we're connected. Here comes the old music. Just a second there if we can get some volume up. Come on, Roger. Get it together here. Tax the rich. Feed the poor. Tell there are no rich no more. Tax the rich. Feed the poor. Until there are no rich no more. There we go. Thank you, Alvin Lee ushering us in another two-hour get-together here on see if we can help you guys and gals get free and understand what you're doing and uh, get your arms around it get re-empowered and help others repeat rinse wash repeat and do same so that's what we generally concentrate here on the radio ranch good morning to you wherever you may be if you're listening live here on the jitsi board or if you're uh, listening on the feed of the euro folk radio stream or if you're listening in the archives at a later date, time, and place, we sure do appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to spend with us and find our information that uh, riveting uh, for some, certainly, and certainly that helpful for others. And we try and be that way. It's the uh, 6th of April, the magic month, with two April Fool's Days in it. So 4 6 and uh, Roger Sales, your host here, Radio Ranch, the name of our get-together, and it's that Wednesday, middle-of-the-week kind of edition. Glad you all are along. We were bantering just a little bit before we kicked into the server there, and there's like 27 people on the Jitsi board when we got started this morning. That's that's good. I think we had 47 or something the other day. Uh, Jeff, we got twenty one now. Yeah, the forty seven was the other day. Uh huh. Man, I'll tell you what, that's uh, that's a lot of progress. I can remember getting on here and be one or two, and almost wanting to beg people to call. You know, please talk to me, please. Morning, who's that? Who's who's got the static there that was wanting good morning, Roger? Oops, that's that's Mike from Birmingham. Hey, Mike. Hey, uh, do you listen to uh, Sean from SG Report? His last uh podcast i didn't listen to his last one i listened to him uh, uh often yes what who do you have on uh some gentleman that was talking about the uh, google and how they like the kazarian mafia and all that but anyway he said something in there that he wants to change his status and he was going to talk to anabon Wright. i sent him an email and a thing to get a hold of you Okay, well, that's good. We had one of our... Mike, you're, are you with us this morning, Mike Smith? Are you with us? Because he sent me an email concerning this. Uh, not an email. We had a little exchange on Telegram. Mike must not be with us. He's one of the newer guys there out of Nebraska. And uh, I guess I don't remember if he had been around Anna before. Or, anyway, he stumbled into one of her groups the other night, and he was saying something, and they said he said something about my process being a lot easier and whatever, and they said, what are you doing here? <laughs> so I don't know. I don't remember the exact exchange, though. But, uh, well, uh, you know, I don't know what to say. Sarah Westall has visited Anna Von Wright's and went through her process and gets on her one of her interviews and calls herself a sovereign citizen. So uh, I don't know how, how good Anna's schooling them up over there, but uh, hopefully these guys will find us. You know, it's just there's not much doubt that this is the much easier and more duplicatable way of moving this forward and spreading it. And I continually hear people talk about Anna and David Strait's process. Of, it's how difficult it is to understand. And uh, it's, it's really this is not 
it's it's difficult when you get in and start digging through the layers and see what they've done and how they've done it and get the uh these uh definitions associated on the other side of the dialectic in your mind but once you do that it's pretty clear sailing i mean it's really i can sit down and say hey well you remember jim crow laws yeah well they set up a system using fraud where they've got us all into the condition of jim crow and then they've tricked you into agreeing with it I don't. I don't know that Anna or David Strait have got it down that simplified. And you see, the problem is, is if we're going to spread this, we it needs to be as simple as possible. And the magic is duplication. Okay, just like any network marketing company, the ones that are successful are easily duplicated, and the ones that aren't easily duplicated aren't successful. Um, I mean, that's kind of the whole history of the industry, best I've been able to tell from being in it for a few years. Um, so anyway, that's what we've tried to do here is make it cookie cutter simple. And I understand that it's difficult because of the way they've got it set up and all the little twists and turns and bobs and weaves they've done. American Samoans, perfect example. I'm still getting people that should know this. It says on the endorsement, it's supposed to say this person is not a citizen of the United States. And it doesn't say that on mine. Duh. Okay. That's only for American Samoans. If you're an American Samoan, I don't know about their passport cards, okay? But I do know when their passport books, if they order a passport, because somebody sent me a picture of it one time, they're on the first page of the visa pages where you get visa stamps in and out of other countries, and there's a big stamp on there that says this person is not a citizen of the United States. Well, I don't remember if it says they're a national or not, but it says they're not a, per, a citizen of the United States. And all of us, you see, here's where we got a disadvantage at this is because we know about the 14th Amendment. And this American Samoan thing was set up for people that didn't. They're looking into this and they want to hit a roadblock. They want them to hit a roadblock and go, well, well hell, I guess that can't be me. These are American Samoans and turn around and walk away. Okay, uh, we have done a little more uh, investigation. We're a little bit ahead of their game, and we know that the Fourteenth Amendment, what it is and what it did. And so, when we see that I'm not a non, I'm a non-citizen, boy, we gravitate to it and grab it, not realizing it's the bait. Okay, it's the bluff. It's the let's hide this national behind these guys. So anyway, that's uh, this goes to show you the intricacy that they've taken and the amount of premeditated thought that they put into setting this thing up now keep in mind they they set up the switch to hide the national behind the american samoans it was set up long before the real setup the setup was the nationality act in 1940 and it's like these guys have got like a gun a slavery gun that's aimed at your head when you're born to come out of mama's womb there I think you, you you come out of mama's womb head first, don't you? And the other way, if you come out feet first, don't they call that a breech birth? Is that correct? I'm going to assume since nobody answers, it is. I thought breech birth meant you're coming out sideways. <laughs> <laughs> like an expended cartridge? <laughs> um, so when you come out head first there, man, I mean, they got your head right as it hits the world. Boom. You're born, and you're now a, a citizen of the United States, and you're in this status. Um, and we try and get you out of that, of course. But uh, uh, all these things about American Samoa and the, all these twists and turns and bobs and weaves they've got in there, and it does take a little bit to get your mind straight. I understand it, okay? 
mean, I, as I've said, when I wrote the book, the Sovereign to Surf book there, um, I didn't have any idea about the American Samoans. So that, that didn't, they had not even come into the picture at that point. I saw non-citizen national in that oath, and I said, well, boy, that's got to be me, okay? I don't know what this national is. I had a pretty good suspicion, but but I know I'm not one of these over here. So, uh, And, it, again, when you can get a command of this stuff, where you can boil it down to an either-or question, and you can with virtually all of it. You just got to sift through it and get the the wheat away from the chaff, and you get it down to where you got uh, it's either this or it's that, and it makes your decision a lot easier. So anyway, just a little uh, pontification here to get us started. Anybody got questions? We got any new folks that are chomping at the bit to get something answered or any of that kind of thing? Because we love right. you. Well, there's somebody right there. Look, I chummed somebody up. How are you doing this morning? Doing great. Doing and great. John in Connecticut. John, we hadn't heard from you in a while. Yeah. I'm still kicking. Oh, good. Now, how does... A federal agency issue non-federal ID. You mean like for a passport for a national? Yeah. It's because there's a dual status going on, and we only think there's one. See, they've still got the responsibility of that other. You know, I keep telling you, these guys, although they're powerful and they're wealthy and they all they got all this stuff set up and they appear to be godlike, they can't go in and change this status from the history and the founding of the country where there's these two different statuses involved. If they could have gotten rid of it, they'd have done it a hell of a lot earlier and a long time ago without having to go to all these twists and turns and things they've done to hide it, see? So that's where our vision of them falls through, and their responsibility is still over that old system, too, although they do their very best not to populate it with anything and to try and hide it and obfuscate it as much as possible, but they've still got to recognize it. If they don't recognize it, John, now they're open tyrants, and that's the line they don't want to cross. Does that make sense to you? See, that's yeah. what we don't realize is that they're scared. they're scared of us, okay? They got all this going on. They've gone to all these links to fool us. They've, done, they've twisted. They've turned. They've connived. They've lied. They've cheated. They've done all that stuff simply because they don't have the power to change these systems or they would have changed them. Okay, so it's just a shell game then. It's nothing but a shell game, man. It's nothing but the Wizard of Oz. I mean, that's as simple as I can put it to people. It's the Wizard of Oz. It's the little old shriveled up guy behind the curtain, pressing the levels, pulling the levers, and, and pressing the buttons. And he's the one that makes all the, uh, all the what, what do they call them? Who, who were they? The Munchkins? Was it the Munchkins in the Wizard of Oz? Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, I remember. Uh, I remember Tom would come on here and he'd use one. He he pulled the gray line out of out of Wizard of Oz. Poppies will put them to sleep. <laughs> You'll remember in the Kansas portion of the story, he was a snake oil salesman, kind of. Was character. oh, was, was he? Well, yeah, traveling salesman. Okay, well, I haven't watched the movie in obviously a long time, but I remember when the uh, uh, there at the start when the tornado comes along and it dumps the house down and it falls on somebody. Wicked Witch of the East. Was it no the house in Kansas before that? It seemed like the house fell on somebody. I don't know. Yeah, I don't remember. Which 
In Kansas? The witch wasn't in Kansas. Yeah, I don't remember somebody under the house in Kansas. Right, right. And so anyway, but there was a snake oil salesman in there, probably to symbolize Rockefeller. Uh, but it's just a whole, it's a, the whole damn thing's just an illusion. I I think about it, uh, John, especially and you know that this is this little deal that we've got going on here. We've exposed and trying to get all these folks to understand and maybe even possibly move on. This is the base of everything they're doing. It's the base of the all of the money creation and all of the continuation of the quote unquote make money out of thin air, which is collateralized to the hilt by you and your future labor and then the ability for these guys in these administrative agencies you referred to earlier to take take legislation that is passed by your quote-unquote representative plural and uh turn around and even rewrite it man-made laws 180 degrees in an opposite direction and then get it to stick on you all of that is possible because of this little deal we're trying to undo with folks right here. If you're not an object of their property rights, all of that falls flat on its flitter. Pretty impressive. I remember when you started coming around here, John. How long you been hanging around here? About six, eight, ten months, something like that? Early October, though. So six months. Oh, so just October of last year. Yeah. Okay, I thought yeah. it was a little bit longer than that. And you came from one of those other schools, and we're like, uh, like Jeff yesterday with that uh, email he was addressing, where the guy goes, "Law, law." They call it law because it stands for land, air, and water rights. <laughs> uh, please, <laughs> a little bit of a stretch there. See, that's what I'm talking about. People don't understand what's happening, and it's very well concealed, obviously. We got to spend hours on here explaining it to people, okay? And but here's these people that see something like that that they think connects two dots, and they're going to connect them by God, come hell or high water, okay? And the problem then becomes that they start telling other people who are novices who think these first people are experts, and now it's proliferating the lie. And that's how all of this mis- and disinformation gets spread around the community and lingers for so long. So, uh, anyway, well, John, you got a question or something we can help you with, man? Glad to see you back today. Yeah, it just threw me off the these agencies which have the capital letters, and I was like, oh, no, it's them again. But they have dual status. they got to honor our our natural rights they've got to honor them see because those documents are still there if they weren't in application they they wouldn't have the statutes at large in the law library with declaration of independence constitution articles of confederation northwest territories right there in the first volume if you open the front cover those documents are the first ones there so how can they not be applicable still yeah but they've done a real good job of hiding them these guys are very slick the deeper you get into this now i've been fooling with this for 30 years okay i'm about to go into my 30th year here with this and i still find stuff and i still find myself walking i'll be doing something and thinking about this as i do often and it'll come to me and the thought will come out of left field i go i just can't believe these bastards are so slick man i mean they're really slick okay and uh so that's who we're dealing with but we outslicked them they never thought anybody was ever going to figure this out 
And even if you go back to uh, Mendel House's papers, he said, well, even if somebody does figure it out, we got plausible deniability. Uh-uh. He ain't got no plausible deniability. Liars, thieves, and murderers, slavers. No, there ain't no deniability, period. You stand mute. That means you're convicted of your own crimes simply by posing to them an affidavit form of one sentence. That's pretty powerful stuff. You want to know how powerful the truth is? That's how powerful the truth is right there. It shuts down the biggest, baddest SOBs that have ever walked the face of the earth is these guys right here today with this power they've amassed and the systems they control. They're the most powerful people that have ever walked the earth. You shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. And one sentence literally shuts them down and shuts them up. You talk about truth being powerful. You know, the old thing you heard since you were a kid. Oh, the truth will set you free. Just like Jeff saying, oh, yeah, sure. I've been trying for years. You just didn't have the right truth. Yeah. And the notaries, if they're done right, that's a judgment of the people over well, the government. It, it is because they can't respond, you know. And that's that that guy Mitch over there on RBN on the RBN thing. Mitch from Memphis, the real prick, dick with ears, uh, that wants to call up here. He's got all that. All he wants to do is ad hominem attacks on me, and I don't know why people are in that mindset, but obviously some of them are. And you got all this information and all this knowledge that's sitting right there in front of you, and uh, you can't take advantage of it. Well, I'm sorry. You know, uh, it, it says I will send them because they have not a love of the truth. I will send them strong delusion. They will believe a lie. And there's a whole bunch of people that are out there in that boat. Okay. And they're not. Oh, don't rowing. say boat. No, don't say boat. Don't say boat. All right. Well, it's maritime. I don't want that again. <laughs> well, they're they're going to be in maritime, and uh, uh, they they ain't got no oars. And uh, so, anyway, will I feel sorry for them? I wish there's something I could do for them. I've tried over the time I've been in this to try and coerce and and, and show people that don't they can't see it. I don't know that they don't want to see it. I, it may be that they just like God said they can't see it. He sent them strong delusion. They can't. They got to believe the lie because they can't look at the truth and see it. Uh, all I know is the other passage there in the Old Testament dictates my actions. It says if you're a watchman on the wall and if you see danger coming, it's your duty to tell other people. And should you not tell them, the blood that they're going to uh, uh, expend is on your hands. But if you do tell them they don't pay attention, then it's on their hands. And that's where I want it to be on their hands. All right. And so about the best thing you can do is say now. Next, go on and see if you can find somebody that can frost a mirror and pray for them. Okay, honestly, because uh, they're going to need a lot of help as we go forward here. Mm. Right, the uh, expatri- the Expatriation Act of eighteen sixty eight that gives us the right to leave the federal zone, right? I believe that's you right, know? and there I, I've I've seen that years and years ago, and that's the kind of little loophole they left in for themselves at that time when the passage of the 14th amendment came along yeah Yeah. but all you have to do is know some of this legal stuff and how they've set this up and i just i'm not that person sorry i'm i'm not that person and uh i'm continually i'm continually tickled by this idea 
And and the funny thing is, is in all the reading and studying and exposure that I've had to this over so many years, I've never heard anybody bring this up or discuss it. And it came from reading that segment of the slaughterhouse cases where it's talking about the 14th Amendment and the void of federal citizenship. And it starts out that little section there talking about the Dred Scott decision and how that had led to so much discussion, especially of people in the District of Columbia. And the fact was, now get the scenario here, because this is really just kind of titillating, actually, because you can see that they parlayed this thing to set up a hundred and however many years ago, this white versus black deal. They were already into the divide and conquer thing by virtue of the fact that the federal citizenship of people who had been born and raised in the territories in D.C., well, they had they were stateless. You know, you've heard about people being stateless. Well, they lived inside the greater country, but there was no political status for them. And the other political status that had existed for almost 100 years at that point was totally based on the states being indigenous countries and their citizens being not only state citizens first, but national citizens by default. And the only way you could be a national citizen, a citizen of the United States of America, was if you were a state citizen. And the problem the people in the territories in D.C. had was it's not a state. It still isn't a state. And they had no political status for those people. They were in limbo. Okay. And so it was, as it says in the slaughterhouse cases, it was a lot of discussion in the newspapers, in the public journals, in the political circles on what, how to remedy this, this, uh, uh, this void that was really brought forward and pronounced by the Dred Scott decision. Okay? And that the fact that neither Dred Scott, who was a free black guy, got to another for, to a free state, remember, and they said, no, you can't be free. All right. And so then they had the situation was all the people that had been born and raised in D.C. and the territories, they not only were not citizens of either national or a state and could not become citizens of the country anything short of an amendment to the Constitution. And this is the void that they drove the 14th Amendment into. And the interesting thing about it to me, that all that background to lead up to if you're new, some of you folks hang around here have heard this dialogue before, is there's obviously non-blacks in the dc and the territories who had been born and raised there that were affected here but you know the question i guess to pose this a little simpler was after the 14th amendment passage and we get into the jim crow laws did the did the white people and the other ethnicities in dc have to go use the black only facilities you see it wasn't color Right. It's color of law, not people. Well, they're setting up what they want to accomplish, I think, John, uh, with this divide and conquer, pit the blacks against the whites and and uh, uh, utilize that course of, of aggravation and animosity between the two to accomplish their big end goals. And so uh, that's just an interesting, provocative question to me, because I'd never thought about it until one day after reading that. I went, well, there had to be other than blacks in D.C., okay, in the territories. So 
how are these people affected and why have we never seen them referenced in any court cases it always alludes to the blacks well obviously this was passed passed for the black man uh, that's what they're saying as early as the slaughterhouse cases three years after the passage of the amendment so it's just another little void there that if somebody really wanted to go out and dig dig deep into this uh you could probably write a book or two on that <coughs> but you're because they're um, nobody else has written i don't think that i've been able to see so anyway just a quirk here another little interesting insight that we get by digging very deeply into this and understanding all the forces that have been placed and that are at play and at work here and being able to find that void well there had to be a, other than blacks in the territories in dc they were affected by this they were stateless too they weren't on a plantation they were just in there living their lives as stateless people and they had to be directly affected by it so the question would stand did, did they go to the black facilities no i'm sure they didn't you know so anyway what were you going to say john oh no i had nothing to say hmm. just um just a comment about the expatriation uh, isn't that an interesting little wrinkle though i mean really it is yeah. to me I, I don't know if it is to you hope it is uh but um it shows you a little bit more of the fact that this was totally premeditated by them okay and uh and as i've said on here numerous times and i i think you can almost prove it really that uh, those two amendments 13 14 were written in the city of london before the civil war and that was the reason that whole confab was fought i was the reason six hundred thousand people brother versus brother killed each other so they could get these amendments in so these heinous slaving pieces of crap can control the world with it a hundred years later in this wizard of oz totally fabricated based on nothing but this fraud right here 150 years down the line it's amazing it controlled the world through it absolutely incredible to me so uh, effective. It, it, oh, effective holy smoke are you kidding me they've done an unbelievable job and uh i think back you know when i first started putting this information out 11 years ago uh just about this time of the year actually and um we would get uh wasn't very long before i was getting all these peripheral attacks from this guy russ from minnesota russ from minnesota who uh, we find out works at the uh, Southern Poverty Law Center, better, better, uh, more, more readily recognized around here is the Sodomy Pedophile Larceny Center. And uh, he had been assigned to monitoring RBN, and then I start coming on RBN with this, and all of a sudden it's, that stuff Roger Sales is teaching can get a lot of people in trouble. And he's calling other hosts and calling other shows and writing emails to other hosts and even went to the point that he actually got John Statmiller, the now deceased John Statmiller, on the telephone in the office which was almost impossible because Statmiller never came to the office except to do his program. And he'd come in 13, 15 minutes before the show and bug out immediately after. And this guy, Russ from Minnesota, actually caught him in the office because Statmiller told me. First time we talked years ago, you know, and he said, oh, yeah, I was explaining this to him, you know. And he goes, oh, yeah, that guy called me, too. And so I, I want to say, well, John, has anybody else ever called you and gone to the problems to call you about somebody you've had on the air? Well, no. Well, you, and you don't put that together, John? Okay. I mean, duh. So 
anyway, uh, Mr. Stat Miller's not with us anymore. Shouldn't beat him up, but uh, he just never saw it. He's one of these people that never saw it. And then finally, years later, I get on his program. I do a good presentation over there with John before he died. Followed up with him a couple of weeks later. He got his, his, this is John's comment. Well, Roger, we can't get 300 million people to change status. Now, now between the first time and the second time, there's just somebody. There's somebody right there that didn't get this, and and I'm sorry to say that. And those of you who, uh, you know, Stat Miller had his flaws, like all the rest of us. I think he had accomplished a lot of good things. He did a lot of admirable things to keep that network on the air through everything that he had to put up with. I don't know. There's some questionable stuff in his background. Why Mark Cornkey, his partner, served seven years in federal prison and he didn't, and he got to go to Texas and start a radio network. I, that'd be an interesting question to have the answers to, wouldn't it? Regardless, yeah. regardless, um, uh, John, uh, he just never got it, you know. Uh, and uh, as, as I'm, you know, John, as I get deeper into this, and I don't get as anxious about it because I see we're making progress, and I see the forces at work a little bit better than I used to. We couldn't envision COVID and its effects years years previous you know the effect it was going to have and messing all this stuff up and what it's going to do to people's lives and change the well change the playing field tremendously and so what's happening obviously that we're having the success from now is people are looking for answers a couple of years ago you could go up to them and go hey look at this you're a national get out of here kid i don't care man my life's all right don't bug me so uh that's what's changed here and in the interim I've had an opportunity to understand this much better than I ever have, and that uh, allows you to. Uh, I'm about to about to sneeze here, so pardon me. Now, thank you, and I understand it much better. I usually sneeze twice, so hold on. I'm sure the other one's coming. Um, and that allows us to explain it easier and go back to fulfill the cookie cutter duplicatable uh part of this and i can't say five six seven years ago that it was as duplicatable by any uh way as it is now so uh, i think that's an advantage those two things are working together uh and it's the big the big guys doings here it's not my doings and so all i know is i've got a very very important uh, group of information i've got it to a point where i can explain it pretty easily to folks that want to listen and want to find out and understand and that that is uh, uh the the audience that is looking for this has gotten exponentially bigger over the last couple of years so i think we're in a good spot you know i mean uh, friday i do this um friday i do this interview with sarah which i'm looking forward to i've got a, a call and a skype handshake into mike adams who's evidently from what i'm told wants to hear this information wants to talk to me uh and uh, interview me but i gotta do it on his timetable and as we all know mike is he's got to be one incredibly busy dude Okay, he's running a video channel. He's got a radio network. He's got a lab. He does a daily update. He does all these interviews and all they sells all of this stuff and got to stay on top of a lot of that. He's got to be a real busy guy. Okay, I don't think I want to be that busy, honestly. But he is, and uh, he'll get around to us. And see, this is what happened, as I've told you guys before. It's worth repeating. A few years back, when I'd get these periods of frustration with this and i've gone through a number of them and you know you get that 
that thought comes to you like, ah, Dad, I mean, nobody's listening on and I quit, you know, and I, am I just beating my head against a wall here? And yet knowing how important this is, I know how important it is, have from the early on and know the drive that it is for me to try and get it out. I don't know what uh, what effect it's going to have in the greater scheme of things, but it's a hell of a trump card. And as I've said, it's the only thing I've ever seen that makes these bastards stand moot. I mean, they just literally stand mute here, okay? They don't come after anybody. They don't demonize anybody. I can sit on here and call them kikes. I can go on all these shows and tell them they're kike slaving bastards. I hate their guts and all that. I could beg them to put me on their hate list, ADL, Southern Poverty Law Center, all that. They won't do it. They will not stick me on their hate list. They won't even mention my name. Now, that's got to tell you something right there, folks. They tried early on. Oh, that stuff Roger Sales is teaching is going to get a lot of people in trouble. Uh, somebody mentioned SGT report. That was you, wasn't it, John? Uh, no, not me. Okay, somebody mentioned it earlier. I guess it was Mike. And, uh, uh, you know, he's had this guy on there, Brent Johnson. I heard him. He said, I need to get Brent Johnson back. I was listening to one of his the other day. Uh, Brent Johnson, y'all, you you're familiar with him, John? Have you crossed paths with Brent Johnson yet? Uh, Brent, you mean Brent on Friday? No, the other. No, 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 no. Brent Johnson's the guy's name. Oh, no, no. (laughs) Okay. Well, that's not his real name. He's a Jew that changed his name. Okay. And uh, I know that because I know somebody that worked with him. And uh, he used to have. Any all other folks on the board here familiar with Brent Johnson? Negative. He used to charge you $750 for your freedom. Is that Brent Johnstein? Could could be. <laughs> yeah, he used to he used to be on the American Expose on the Republic Radio International. John Statman was old network. Yeah. Beep beep. Oh, that's Mike with his uh, that's Mike with his forklift there. Mike's backing up, yeah. folks. Get out of the way there. Um, no, it's a new forklift. It's got some new safety mechanisms. I see. Well, Brent Johnson's been around a long time. Uh, I first came across him. Gosh, twenty five years or so ago. He, he in his early shows. And I heard, I remember he's on a couple of different platforms. Um, in his early shows, he always had a a female sidekick who didn't seem to be his wife. I mean, she, I'm, I'm sure she's probably Jewish too. She's probably his uh, his Mossad co partner or something. But in the middle of the show, he'd turn it over to her and call it a woman's point of view. And she'd have 15 minutes to give a female kind of spin on whatever they're talking about. Uh, And then he moved to, I know he moved to uh, New Zealand for a while. And I think he moved to American Samoa for a while. Um, It seems like I heard. I'm not sure if he's still living there or not. But he'll still pop up in the latest uh uh, the latest place he popped up that I saw him was on SGT report. I don't know, a year, year ago, year and a half ago or something. And I didn't listen to it because I know he's full of crap um, and he's a P.A.Y. Triot. Uh, but anyway, I did hear SGT report Sean saying he was going to get him back on. And the reason I give you that background is because of the late Joyce Riley. And at this same time that um, the uh, – comments calls and harassment was going on at rbn to other hosts and to stat miller by this guy russ from minnesota russell estes is his name by the way little jew boy um 
little little revelation two and three niner. Um, Joyce told me on the side because we had some conversations, and I was on her show numerous times, and we did know each other personally, you know. And um, Joyce said not only did Brent Johnson call her, but his female sidekick also called her after she had me on the program. And guess what both of them said, John? That stuff Roger Sales is teaching is going to get a lot of people in trouble. The exact same words that this guy, Russ from Minnesota, had used on Statmiller and the other hosts over there at RBN. I mean verbatim, okay? So I wouldn't trust him with it, you know, as far as you could look him off of a cliff, all right? And uh, just to tell you, these are some of the people that are out there, and that's why it's to me so important to get to this next level of podcasters like we're going to be with friday with sarah sarah's kind of on that level of sgt i don't think she's got the penetration in the audience that sean does but here he's got he's got this guy from canada uh, on there a couple of times that they've they've got a totally different approach of, up there of course and and now he's had this guy brent johnson on at least once and talking about having him on again and uh, these people don't do anything but bunny the water really so uh, anyway hoping that we'll get there over to sean i've uh, had sent him the material several times and even put out the call this before you were hanging around john when those documents first got pinned here uh a while back and we were trying to send them to all these next level people and i would have you the audience follow up on the email address with a you need to listen to this you need to pay attention to roger's information etc etc you know out of everybody we did that with i never got one response never one not even a reply back from any of them Okay, and so when I hit people like Tom D over there at finally, he goes, man, I've been looking for this for 40 years. Where have you been? Like, oh, man, I've been screaming from the rooftops for 11 years. I I can't scream any louder. My lungs won't take it. Okay, Mm -hmm. but in what was the what's the big thing missing? Well, there wasn't the general people looking for answers that give us the success we're having now. At least I think that's what the deal is. All things work together for good, and, and in the end, it's in the big guy's hands. So I just keep doing I know I'm supposed to do this, and I know I'm going to continue to do it and put one foot in front of the other. And when the door's ready to be opened by the big guy, it'll be opened when people are ready to hear it, when it's going to have maximum impact. I can't judge, judge and gauge those things. He can. So I just totally turned it over to him and do what I'm supposed to do, which is get with you fine folks and wonderful men and women on a daily basis here and as much as possible and see if I can help you not only escape this slave system that they've imposed on you, you've been tricked into agreeing with, but also get you educated to a point where you can also help spread the word and help others because we've all now we've all got the mandate now the only way i can protect my liberty is to help you protect yours and the only way we can protect ourselves as a group of strong individuals is continue to enlarge our ranks of strong individuals not a weak piss herd members okay and that's why I emphasize so much on the education. I want to get all these questions answered. I want you to have that information in your conscious and subconscious so you've got the rich soil to build your re-empowerment on because that's where it comes from. 
If you don't have the information in there as the sod, you're not going to get re-empowered. Life's not going to change, and you're going to go along. Oh, yeah, I think I filed that piece of paper here a while back. I don't know what it does, but by golly, it does something. Well, what about it? What's it do for me? I don't know. You're going to have to call into this radio show and ask. I mean, we got to have the foundation out there to rebuild when this thing crashes because it's, it's crashing okay and if well, we it don't seems like it is roger it seems like it is but so many people are still not open to well, I, new well i can't help that you know all i can do is is like dance with the girl that brung me you know i'm looking for the people that do want answers and that's why i just go next and you, we don't have to have everybody. We only have to have a, a, a small, dedicated group. I mean, I don't know what the maximum effect on this could be, but I, we've, got a, we, we, we've got an example, John, and that is the way the country was founded. Three percent of the people wanted to fight for the revolution and the freedom of the country. The rest of them wanted to be with King George. Now, it's the same situation today. I, I hope we're going to get more penetration than 3%, and I believe we will. We've got a situation where it appears, of course, we can't get accurate figures. It appears that 50% of the people in the country, at least, have not taken this jab. Yeah. Have you all heard the comment from people uh, that uh, people that have got the jab have basically lost their spiritual connection? Have you all heard that from other people? Yep, I heard that. Okay, and I think that's true. Uh, there was one of the guys in India before COVID came along on some of the vaccines they were given over there, and that was the uh, the wise Indian, uh, uh, whatever he was, what kind of a guru he was, I don't know. But he said when they get the vaccinated, they lose the light. The spiritual light's gone out of them. And uh, so we're hopefully uh, – Hopefully we got a large group of people that didn't take this, had the wherewithal and the foresight not to, and are really, really pissed and really want to do something. And the way we do something is we learn this information and we help others that are interested learn same, and we get people pulling themselves out of their system and especially out of their tax system. They're pretty close to uh, the real April Fool's Week. What... uh, without me digging something up here what day is the 15th on this year that's all right it's on a friday oh it's on friday okay so it's a friday after i get to do this thing with uh uh with uh sarah okay next week on those two days i'm going to i'm going to give this uh this tax presentation several times here uh and the first time just to promote it again is this coming Sunday, and I'm going to do it on the uh, on the uh, RBN broadcast Sunday night, and then the following week I'm scheduled to be with Jim White again on Thursday and Friday. We're going to tape it because his show con- conflicts with ours directly on the head on the time, and so I have to tape those appearances with Jim. And we're going to do the same thing we did last time and do the tax presentation there on. The- 14th and 15th so we're going to be broadcasting that tax information on on april fool's day that week so that should be kind of cool and uh and then of course you can always if you want to get a a preview of that uh you can go over to the archives at castbox.fm 
and Radio Ranch Channel and uh, go back to Halloween of last year, October 31st, 2021, and that lecture that I did for Thumper over there on the Sunday show one time a while back, that's over there if you want to get it. Now, that that one is uninterrupted totally with no commercials. I'm afraid I'm going to have to deal with spots here on Sunday and again next week with Jim White, but that one's totally uninterrupted. Valuable information. Nobody else has got it, you know? Except our enemies. Nobody else in the world knows that information but our enemies and, and, and well, the people that have studied it, obviously, but Glenn and I. Uh, Glenn and I keep missing each other. He wants to talk about something, and both of our schedules are kind of busy. He's having some tremendous successes. He's going to court on, I don't know, he's always, you know, Glenn is like the, um, the, the fearless, you know, chicken man. He's everywhere. He's everywhere. The fearless fighter, crime fighter. That's kind of Glenn, you know, and he picks up all these issues and, and, uh, he's so good at law and he's so good at writing and he's so good at all this stuff. And, uh, so he'd been helping somebody in some kind of a criminal case here lately. He said he's had some spectacular results. So, uh, he's anxious to tell me about it and I'm anxious to hear about it, but, uh, I wish we could get glenn on uh, with us here uh with certainly a little more regularity uh than every you know twice in a blue moon kind of thing but he's just not cut out for the radio deal like i am so that's why they turn this whole thing over to me uh but uh anyway i look forward to speaking with glenn and finding out what it's on his mind um Let's see, we've got, uh, what else can I talk about? I watched a very interesting video, and the reason I wanted to mention it, I sent it out to the Boston guys last night because it totally revolves around Boston. The history of these big families, uh, how they uh, have built everything and controlled it through the opium trade and uh, uh, parlayed it into their involvement in all of these things that are affecting us today. And they were a lot of the seed money for a lot of this stuff. And I'm going to put that. It was over on Brighteon. Some nice listener sent it to me. And I started watching it and saw that it dealt with Boston. And we've got a very, John, I should send it to you because you're not too far away. Uh, and, uh, but I'll put it on the end of the show description today. And it's a hour long program on all of this intricate background. And even this one guy's a great researcher, right? And the other guy goes, well, I got some moles that dug up this stuff and he throws out a couple of companies and a guy goes, I've never heard of those before. So it's some really kind of new information that's real deep dug. And, uh, if, uh, especially if you're in that area, but, uh, uh, any of you, you could find that an interesting lecture it ties into um you know of course the opium trade and he says the reason that it was so effective is because they started using opium as currency Mm. okay yeah pretty interesting and uh so uh, that was a a good lecture i had to listen to it in a couple settings i'd maybe want to go back and listen to it all at one setting again but i'll stick it at the end of today's show description and um i I know i sent it to dell and lewis and skip and uh they uh i don't know skip are you with us today skip's not with us uh lewis told me he'll be back in boston on uh early in may so he's got a couple more weeks of his uh, winter vacation <laughs> must be nice to leave the cold weather and go spend 
six months in Florida and go back. So anyway, God bless you, Lewis. Uh, and uh, I I'll be anxious to get a book report back, quote unquote, from those folks on that little video, as it has so much to do with their local area. I mean, Lewis did tell me the email. He said I recognize those names for sure that they uh, that they Pearson I think was one of them. Uh, so anyway, that's uh, was something that I wanted to mention, and that is good for the people that like background history intricacies and see the the origins and the nucleus, the uh, development of this little scam that we're able to get out of now. How about that? Um, so uh, anyway, let's see. Anybody got any questions or comments or anything? I'd love to hear from some of the newer folks. Yes, sir. Mark to Spark here. Hey, Mark. Uh, uh, <clears throat> I don't know how it's, this this your revelation is affecting others, but I'm telling you, man, this has touched me so deeply. And there's days where I, uh, I mean, I ponder this. And I go back, and I, I, I look, I go back for what I came upon, and how it, clar- it, it clarifies so many things. But first of all, I want to say thank you, Roger Sales, for striking the impurities from my sword, however painful that might be. And thank you for helping me get a firm handle on truth and teach my blinded eyes to see. Thank you, Roger. You're welcome, Mark, and I'm glad you're the the right person because it takes the right person for this information to have that effect. Okay, so uh, I'm just the messenger. A lot of people welcome me, and a lot of people want to shoot me. <laughs> you know, don't shoot the messenger, man. <laughs> so, well, <laughs> I'm just well, a scribe bringing the rolled up documents for you. <laughs> this this is. Roger, th- this is not two-dimensional. This is multidimensional. This it, reaches it is. far back. This this is soul-stirring. Yes, it Th- does. To me, this has been soul-stirring. Well, it's life-changing it, information for the right people. I'll put it that way. It, it just absolutely yeah. like you're hearing Mark right here, folks. This information, if you're one of these people like Mark, it literally totally changes your life like it did with me. I mean, it did so much with me, Mark, that I look back on it as life number one and life number two. I consider John Benson to be my second father. Yeah, I, I it, this is this is and I hear I've got several things to bring up in perspective of this, because this this is a conversation. Okay, this is and and we're we've been missing this for the last couple of years from, you know, from our from our community, because the devils and his minions have been have been they they isolated us. Okay, now I shared this with you and some of the others know that I happen to have grown up my family, my adoptive family. I've had two families and both families were destroyed, by the way. And my second family became very well off, very well off. We had four restaurants over a period of 20 years and. And the cafe, the local mom and pop, is a part of a soul experience, okay? You can say church is that, but I'm going to tell you, cafes are that. I, I'm I, tell you I how. can see that. I can see that parallel. Yeah. Now, most people, because my parent, my family, my second family did very well in the restaurant business. And the thing is, I kept wondering, well, how is it that they did so good? How is it? Well, you know, most people say, well, it's the food. It's the food. Well, oh, okay. Well, you got to have some good food, consistently good product to, 
and uh, you know but well no it's the environment it's the environment the place got to be nice got to be clean presentable yeah yeah that's that's part of it too and both of those parts have to be there mm-hmm. but the reason why people come to cafes is to break bread and to share intimacy of the conversation of you know their lives this is this is very important to us mm-hmm. we're social creatures mm-hmm. and so uh but these damn devils, these demons, and, 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 and they, they have sought to divide us and pit us against each other yep. on multiple layers in multiple ways, not just black and white and the different races, but how about male versus female? Yep. How, and, now, and, and now it's going to be children against the parents. Yep. Okay? Yep. I mean, and, and, then, and, then, and then your own, your own sexual identity versus, you know, I mean, you're, I'm a man. But 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 I'm not quite good enough. I get out of town. I mean, some of this crazy stuff. Did so you hear, I, I try not to get lewd on the program, you know. But uh, there's a meme that came through the other day that was quite funny, and it was uh, uh, the guy that won the women's championship swimming, you know. And he's oh going, yeah from Pennsylvania, going, I think it was he. He said, "I won the women's championship fair and square, and if you don't believe it, you can suck my." I'll leave it at that. Okay. So uh, uh, what a what a dichotomy, okay? And that's the world we live in, totally upside down and totally screwed up. And see why the best thing we can do is to get a handle on this. It's like a lifeline. I'm throwing you a lifeline here, folks, okay? You're drowning, all right? You're drowning in the slave pool. I'm going to throw you a lifeline, and if, you, if, if, if it's your choice, you can grab it and pull yourself out of there and come back and get your life resettled up on shore, okay? But if you don't grab it and you want to flounder out there in the slave pool, then I, there's not much I can do for you. And I, I'd like to bring up the uh, reference to whoever put that uh, E. Michael Jones, uh, the Goy Guide to World History, uh, <laughs> Uh, it, which is two hours and 38 minutes long. I'm, and I'm going to watch it again because I had to stop it every three minutes to co- ponder what he was sharing. Show me that. Send home. me, send me a link to that. Would you Mark? Well, I don't, I don't, I don't have the, that's what I was going to ask somebody else if they could post it again on the tab. The I don't chat. have a way to send it oh, okay. unless I, yeah, but I don't have a computer. I have a tablet and I'm still figuring out all this. I'm trying to stay okay. out of all this technology. Stuff. I know. Anyway. I know but it's hard to get sucked into it and minor stuff like this. If anybody's got that, if you, the Goy's Guide to World History, that's E. Michael Jones is the deal and the title, right? Isn't that what you said, Mark? The Goy's Guide to World History. If anybody's got that, shoot yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Murr, where's it's- Murr? Murr! <laughs> Yeah. Every time I say stuff you. like that, it shows up magically in my mailbox. Murr, if you could get that and shoot it to me, I'd appreciate it. it sounds like good. I like E. Michael. You know, uh, it, it, obviously he's got the Catholic uh, uh, point of view, and that's okay. Uh, but he does have some real good insight and knowledge. There's no question about it. Information. Yeah, and he connects the dots with the, what I call corporatism, and that's what happened. That's what I sensed happened with the uh, Civil War. That it was, it, it became, it was it became corporatism, and which is an extension of or the same thing as mercantilism. You see, okay. mercantilism is what we're dealing with here. Okay, and the mercantile. You know, if you go back and study, have you ever gone back and studied mercantilism, the history of it a little bit, Mark? It's pretty interesting. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, in Europe, you know, especially in the old countries, uh, you'd have let's say one town that was real good at shoes, making shoes, and the other town. Well, they made something else in specialty, but maybe cuckoo clocks, all right? But they had a couple of shoemakers. 
so what would happen mercantilism is when the guys that made the shoes in their town went over and invaded the other town and sold their shoes and put their shoe makers out of business and that's exactly what's happened around the world and they're mercantiling us now over to china because they're moving the manufacturing and stuff over to that part of the world and that's going to control they moved it from europe to england to the u.s and now it's going to china and those uh, uh, you know low labor cost countries so that's it's, all it is is mercantilism same old pig yeah and it's and it was it, i mean you, the the roots of it are i mean e michael jones in that in that going guide to world history he it clarifies when you watch that it clarifies that i i sense that but he i mean he gives some details pointed details mm-hmm. and uh, it's interesting he also went to temple which is temple is one of the universities here in philadelphia so oh, is uh, it is that is yeah. that is that a jesuit university I'm not. No, no. That's uh, that's the yeah, that's Saint Joseph. There's who a else? Joseph who, Jesuit. Who else went to Temple? Walter Williams went to Temple, didn't he? The late Walter Williams. I, I don't, I'm not sure. I think he did. Seems like he did. Somebody did. I thought it was him. I sure do like. I liked him, Walter Williams. I liked Thomas Sowell. Uh, I, I I really liked Rush. I didn't listen to Rush a lot late. You know, in the later part of his career. Uh, but, uh, and I maintain, you know, there's people I'd hear call into Alex Jones, Mark, and go, I used to listen to Rush till I found you. You ever heard anybody call in and say that? No, I never heard that. <laughs> well, I've heard it a couple of times, really. And at some point, I used to predict, I said, there's going to be a place where people call in here and say, I used to listen to Alex until I found you. <laughs> That's coming, I'm telling you. So maybe we can get to Alex before we get that happening as a reality. <laughs> Uh, well, the other thing I want to bring up is uh, my reference to my, you know, five years ago was when I found out about my father's side of the family, being that I was adopted. I didn't know the deep, deeper history, but found out that my great-great-grandfather had served in the Civil War for the North. He was mustered in, in other words, drafted mm-hmm. by force, right? Yes. No choice. Uh, but, oh, no, they had a uh, choice. They, they had a choice. Did you know that? They in those days, if you couldn't, if you didn't want to get drafted, you could go pay somebody to take your place, and that would suffice. So obviously, your grand great grandfather didn't have very much spare change, or he, or or you know, he had that option basically. Okay, I, I thought that well, was he, interesting. You know, he served, and he was in the he was in one of the most fierce battles of the Civil War, the the Battle of the Wilderness. Yes. Where neither side won. There was 182,000 men fighting, 120,000 mm. from the north, 60,000 from the south. Gives mm. you gives you a hint of gives you a hint of the proficiency of the uh, southern warriors, huh? Yeah. Uh, uh, but uh, he was then captured. And I, look, I, I, if either side, I've been on the south because it was about states' rights, from what I gathered. Right. So, uh, and but uh, he he was a prisoner of war in Andersonville, Georgia, Andersonville Prison. Uh, which is now a museum, I guess, uh, and uh, he uh, he was there for eleven months. So I encourage, and if there's anybody like even Murr that could put that could post that, uh, there's a YouTube. It's called Andersonville the movie. Andersonville. It's two hours and forty eight minutes long, and it's worth watching. I encourage everybody to watch it because you, you, you just put your feet in their shoes and go, wow. 
And they, See, that's that's what. They, go ahead. I just heard the other day they hung the guy that was the commandant of that camp because of the horrid conditions that your grandfather, great grandfather, and others were in, and he couldn't help it. They couldn't even feed the people of the South, much less the northern prisoners. And he went out of his way to try and get them back to the north. And William Tecumseh Sherman refused to take them because he wanted it to form further attrition on the South. Exactly. Now, my understanding also, now, and, and that was, uh, Andersonville was 25 acres, open air, solid wall of timber around it, no buildings, no cover. Imagine that. Now, yeah. people say, well, I didn't get that cold in winter. You want to bet? It can no, get cold it gets, in winter. It gets in cold in Georgia in the winter occasionally, sure. And does. it gets super hot in the summer. So, yes, it and does. they had very little, they had very little to eat and they didn't have any, hardly any water. And out of 40, approximately 43,000 that went through that prison in about a year and a half, a little bit more than a year and a half, 13,000 died within weeks of entering, and I'm going to, I dare to say they probably, because they got so darn thirsty that they went to that creek. There was a creek flowing through that fort, and that creek got early on, got contaminated. Oh, so had to if be. anybody drank from it, yeah, you're going to die. Yeah. So, had, so, I mean, just to fathom that somebody would survive there, it just doesn't have to be my relative, but any man that survived 11 months in hell that long, I mean, it's, it's, it's a miracle I'm here. It's very and, true. And so... So what I'm bringing up now is to to feel to feel what it was like for our forefathers, see, and and I appreciate you bringing up your mom, and I appreciate Harvey bringing up his mom, and, and listen, they went through they went through some hard times. I, so my point is, our people have been put through hard times unnecessarily by these demons. Yep. I mean, for real. Yep. For real. Yep. And I mean to the point of suffering. Yep. I mean. Now, but but the the modern people, many of us have been become we're, we're we've been spoiled. We've been spoiled. We haven't had that hard that necessarily that hard enduring trauma drama stuff going on for years like our forefathers had, and so now the the the, the youngins we we youngins many of us are spoiled spoiled. We take for granted uh, what has happened, uh, and so I say that we. That see that, that this brings up, and I, I want to I want to ask you, going back to history. So, and I'm and I'm going to appeal to I'm going to appeal to your noble motives, and I'm going to throw down a challenge for you and for all of us. I want to ask you about Braveheart. When did Braveheart happen? Well, uh, I can't give you the exact time frame, but it was uh, uh, Longshanks. Maybe this can help help us. Longshanks, I believe, was the guy that signed the Magna Carta. So, 1066? Well, no, that would have been, Magna Carta was signed in 12-something, wasn't it? Well, Yeah, 1066 was William the Conqueror. 1215? 1215 on the fields of Runny Mead, I believe. Yeah, because the anniversary was just uh, back in uh, 2015. Yeah. Now, something that I've learned through the years, and there was a time, by the way, Roger, uh, when I was in service, I wanted to be—I wanted to actually go to vocational technical and, and learn how to be a music engineer. Yeah. But that didn't happen. Uh, you mean like father, work in a family. recording studio and stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. But my family, what happened with my family got, got I mean, it devastated me and almost took me down and took me out. And... Uh, but but later I did get involved to a degree with music and uh, and by the way the music business a lot of people don't know that I hear but I appreciate that you know this 
that at, now back in that time, this is in the eighties. Uh, there was five companies that controlled the music industry, Correct. basically, if you ask me. Okay. And then now I think it's now I think it's down reduced down to three Probably. major ones. So you got Phonogram, you got CBS, you got Warner Brothers, and I don't know how the re- I don't keep up with it, so I don't know how the rest of the industry well, is well, gyrated and whatever. But those that that's probably three of your main ones right there. Well, and here's here's one that people don't know that actually exists. It was a major produ- production and actually producing the. Uh, the uh, records and then later the CDs and all that. Kiss. Did you did you know that? Kiss. Were you the band Kiss? Kiss. Yeah. What's his name? Okay. Uh, who yeah. is himself? Who is himself a Jew? And he's oh, he's, they're they're all Jews, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, so you, you uh, know, I used to travel with those guys. You did with Kiss. Uh, I did because oh, the wow. band okay. that I had, Rush was the first band i ever worked with and i was the first promotion guy they ever worked with because they just signed with mercury and their agent up in toronto and they were on the road they used to travel 300 nights a year and uh they were their next stop was atlanta after they signed the contract and i was brand new okay in my position there and so we were both new and we got to be very good friends and they had quite an audience in the southeast believe it or not and um so they would travel and kiss liked them because they would like liked them to warm up for them and so where they'd get these tours and it'd be birmingham atlanta charlotte and fayetteville usually it was those four stops and so i'd have to meet them in birmingham and travel with them all through and go and i'm going to tell you this is in the 70s okay and you want to walk through the atlanta airport behind kiss with their tight leopard skin leotard and long hair and crap and you just want to walk way far behind them okay and i mean i've still got i've still got memories of this i've told the story once or twice those um it was in fayetteville which we affectionately call fayetteville okay and because of the predominance of vietnamese up there and uh in fayetteville they had a quonset hut that they had the um uh the concerts in and the dressing rooms were up above the stage and you'd go up a flight of stairs or something to get the dressing rooms and i was backstage rush had, had finished and i was back there i don't know doing something and the kiss guys came and walked to go get to the stage and do their show right and they had those leather uniforms on you know that they used for the first couple of years yeah and they'd never cleaned them and buddy they walked past me and you could have knocked what's the old saying you could have knocked a buzzard off a honey wagon i'm telling you man that was one of the most horrible odors i've ever smelled i've still got it imprinted in my mind that's how bad it was almost knocked me over the railing no kidding i'm not kidding you it was horrible how those guys put those uniforms on and went out and did a damn show i it's just beyond me but i remember that distinctly it's a heck of a memory <laughs> well and, and and i and i and i am going somewhere with this so for the others that are listening because it's important tie this in uh so by the way, I uh, early in the early nineties, I went to a seminar up in Chicago, and it was put on by this. I don't remember the man's name, but he put on this music uh, seminar to help musicians and uh-huh. and anybody that wanted to be in the music business how to get in music. It was called Doing Music and Nothing Else. I don't know. Did you ever hear uh-uh. about that guy? Ne- never. Okay. Heard of it. Uh-uh. okay. 
And and I was like, I was so, I was like, wow, I could learn some things. And this guy, this guy was good. He knew it upside down and backwards. And I was, I was on the edge of my seat going into it. But I'm telling you, the second day, he brought up how things don't work, didn't work for a lot of artists who were ripped off, uh-huh. ripped off by the and record so companies. Damn, Oh my God! There's so many of them. How about Grand Funk Railroad? How about? He got ripped off, and and I'm going to tell you, I don't know, I don't know that his his manager was a Jew, but I'll bet you he probably I was. I, I just about guarantee you because they're rife with them. Let me, how about this one? Remember Creedence Clearwater Revival? How they just disappeared one day? Yeah, I mean they're putting out hit after hit. Great, still hear them today. People playing them. You know, you know what happened to them? Jewish manager got him to sign away all the rights. And all of a sudden, they started collecting all the royalties of everything that they were doing, and they just walked away from the business. Oh yeah, and and see, so for me, when you when you talk about the 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 how this deception through words, I really really do get that because what I learned in that seminar was how the contracts. See, for a, for a, for an artist that where it kind of like comes second nature to them, and you know, artists do have a tendency to give away what they what they uh naturally are are gifted with and because it, it, they think that everybody else has kind of the same thing uh so they have a tendency to give it away anyway and oh the jews love that they just love it they loved it and they set them up and then get them get them uh, uh overwhelmingly uh indebted to uh to have to produce uh i mean i could name on and on and on uh-huh. from what i understand uh-huh. what happened but anyway uh so uh uh the what i was going to bring up is a, couple, a few nights ago and this is why i haven't called in i didn't call in yesterday because i was still this stuff was turning me a couple nights ago i couldn't go to sleep and so i, I turned the tv on and some my intuition said turn the tv on i turned the tv on and on pbs they had this program about the history of country music and these were two set uh segments they were two hours long two hours long each it was like one o'clock in the morning, so I stayed up till five, and I was on the edge of my seat listening to this whole I'll thing. Bet that was good. Me, oh yeah, it was really good. Now these these were put on by Ken Burns, and I know that Ken oh, Burns, Ken left Burns quite is a, fantastic. Quite, yeah, well, he's good in some ways, but I think he left some things out about the the Civil War. Of course, he's taken the traditional, conventional perspective of it. I think, but right. Anyway, uh, so uh, so this and this is what just occurred to me today. You know, uh, songs and songwriters. Uh, and many of them, I'm telling you, many of them went through a lot of pain in their upbringings. Many of them, and so you don't it's write. Like Let me tell you something I learned. You know, hold your thought. All those people, they got something that drives them to write all those songs and emotional lyrics that turn into hits and affect other people. There's a, there's emotional stirrings back there, and the problem is, and you can see in his different artists, there's only a few, a handful that ever continue to produce once they've overcome whatever that drive is. In other words, one, uh, they all of a sudden they're they're making money, and the hard times aren't there, and when the hard times aren't there they don't have the motivation to write those songs right on right on okay and yeah well i'm gonna i'm gonna bring up something what is it about you air force you air force air force guys and i now i knew a little bit about this person because i know he i knew that he had written a couple of songs oh i know but you're I talking gone, about right now who, who is it chris christopherson yep amazing amazing you know how he, he got his a, break 
Yeah, well, he was he was a janitor. He was a janitor and a dishwasher. At Capital, right? Okay, and and he and he left a, he left some samples for Johnny Cash. He was trying to get him to right. he left him with Miss Carter. Right. And he was trying to get him in the hands of Johnny Cash. Right. And uh, he was he he was a janitor for like four years. Right. Now now, but but get this: people don't know this in the yeah. audience. Before that, see, he was he was he was up and coming. He's a Rhodes Scholar. Yep. The guy was brilliant. Yep. But but then he was he was they were gonna he he was uh, open to go to Vietnam, but they sent him to West Point to be a teacher, and he, he became a, I think he became a captain. He was a and general. Then, he was a general's son. Did you know that? Yeah, general. Yeah, and who was in the air? Who was in the Army Air Corps, which then mm -hmm. later became the Air Force. Right. Uh, so the thing is that he could have stayed at West Point, but he he bowed out. Yeah, and he moved to Nashville hey, hey, and. It's incredible. He walked story. away. Now, here's a negative on that. He walked away from his wife and children okay, to go do that and throw everything away. But the interesting thing to me, Johnny Cash was his idol, all right? And he wrote a song that became a Grammy-winning song called Sunday Morning Coming Down. And yep. he wrote that for Johnny Cash, okay? And he couldn't get it to him, so he rent, He he was a helicopter. He was helicopter pilot. He went and rented a helicopter and went and landed in Johnny Cash's backyard. Did you know that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> he, he was he was a he was a, he was a, he, helicopter pilot trained and everything yeah, exactly. and 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 it's and, and also his mother disowned him. Yes, exactly. His mother for disowned all, him. Everything he'd done yeah. and he went and landed that helicopter. Johnny Cash came out and said, "What the hell are you doing landing in my backyard? I got this song for you." Okay. That's literally how they met and how his career started. A very funny story. Yeah, so so the thing is with songs and the songwriters, a song really is it's like a conversation. It, it, and it, and it, it appeals to the, to the individuals, but it appeals to the group, too. And that's why, that's why uh, you know, and, and, and then the, you go to the history of country music, and it started out in the eastern, eastern part of Tennessee. My, mm -hmm. my understanding is it started out in the early days of our country. Mm -hmm. This is when this stuff started. Our early, this is our mm -hmm. roots, you know? That's right. Absolutely. And it's, and it and it's uh, it's important to us to remember that and uh, and a lot and, of those uh, Scott, Scotch Irish guys that Brent's always talking about that were so instrumental in the founding with some of their ideals and uh, uh, and their mores and whatnot they were so instrumental in the founding of our country and that's part of it right there's the music they'd get off there in the hills didn't have any, much else to do they're separated from their neighbors they'd get together and have you know barn dances and uh, a lot of it revolved around church obviously and uh that's uh, the nucleus of everything you're talking about well well so so to continue uh 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 is that uh, and there was a time where i was work i worked with the band at one point I, I i was very i was very good with marketing helping them to get put them in front of the right place and the people and everything but uh and one thing that i learned is you go to the top and you work down. If you're talented, you don't start at the. I mean, you can start at the bottom and work toward that, but you want to seek out support from the top if you can. Okay, because if you're good, 
somebody you might get a negative at the at first or second or third but somewhere up there you're going to get a yes and they're going to and they're and you're going to be well rewarded for what your what your your valuable talent you know see? there's so many so, talented musicians that never made it and the lucky ones however that they made it and uh, a lot of one-hit wonders and and that kind of things that you know they're nothing but a flash in the pan here today gone to maui and uh, and a lot of very very talented musicians get frustrated and have to go do something else in life. Unfortunate, but that's the way the business is. It's a rotten business. Yeah, I, yeah. I know. And 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 by the way, when I was seven years old, uh, there in Springfield, Missouri, uh, we we had our we had our second cafe, which was a, our first uh, cafe was a truck stop. Our second cafe that we you know had these places consecutively. It was also a truck stop. So guess who was a regular there when they would come into town? Porter Wagner. Oh wow! And he and he had who did he have with him? Dolly baby. Dolly Parton. Yeah. Dolly Parton. And I met Dolly Parton when I was seven years old. And I'll I'll, I'll bet she remembers coming into our cafe it's in Springfield right. with Porter. What now it? that same year that was that was nineteen sixty eight. Later that same year she broke away from from Porter, Porter. Uh-huh. and then that's what became she became a superstar. You know, a coat of many colors, Jolene. I mean. And 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 those and those, that music was on that music was on the jukebox and I would play the heck out of those music. I loved yeah. I loved her music. You know, yeah. I heard I heard somebody do a Spanish rendition. I was in a taxi the other day and had a radio on, and they were playing Jolene in Spanish. <laughs> and and they, really? Jolene's the same in Spanish, but the rest of the lyrics were all you know translated. It was funny. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I'd well, forgotten uh, she did so, that. I remember the song, but I'd forgotten she did it. Uh, what a gracious yeah. lady uh, Dolly Parton is. Um, you know, I'll tell you, I had one of, uh, uh, when I was with the short time I was with ABC, I had an opportunity to work with Barbara Mandrell one time. And she's a, she's a real sweetie, too, okay? And uh, at least that's the impression I got in the short time I was around her. But uh, what was funny, there's a funny story about her that I heard. Uh, of course, living in Nashville, very successful, and uh, her husband, well, you know, was taking advantage of all her success, obviously. And he's driving some fancy car, and he he stops at some store or something, goes in to do something. They called him Mister Mandrell, <laughs> and he got PO'd and walked out and peeled out of the parking lot. <laughs> I just always thought that was funny. <laughs> well. And here, now here's a little bit more history, and I didn't know to learn this until I was a, way into my adulthood. I didn't know about the Ozarks Jubilee, the Ozarks Jubilee, which was in Springfield, Missouri, back back when television started. Now, of course, the the television studios were in. They had a, a music live music in New York, and they had live music in in uh, California, but the third one popped up in springfield missouri ozarks jubilee and do you know who one of the first people that was that wanted to wanted to play there in springfield i would have but no, it got turned down i would have no idea elvis well i got they, yeah elvis he got turned down they said uh-huh. he, you'll never go anywhere yeah you're, you gotta, <laughs> can't get up there and shake your hips like that about like the uh what was the other one that's right in the same part of the country probably about the same time pretty long established louisiana hayride I mean, that's where Hank Williams and a lot of those guys kind of got a lot of their base too. Okay, well, I, I had, I'd heard of it, but I don't know. I don't know any detail about that. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Hi, Roger. There's somebody. Is, is that Scott? Hey. Yeah, Scott. Hey, I want to tell y'all a quick, funny story about country music. I'm down here on the coast, you know, in Ecuador, and I met a young. Are you going to come up? Are you coming? Are you coming up next week with Walt? 
Have you have you guys? Uh, no. Well, we talked about. I, I've got to, I got some things in the fire down here. I got a uh, okay uh, legal things. Uh-huh. So I don't know okay. if I'm gonna be able to. Come All up right. Well, sooner. I was hoping I get to be... have lunch with you next week, but maybe. Yeah. Not. Well, I, I'm gonna do it here probably in the next. Uh, Within the next month or two, because I'm actually okay. thinking of relocating up to a little further north of the coast. And, oh, are you? Because we're about to get into rainy season and cloudy season here for six months, and I don't want to do that this year. Yeah, yeah. So, I need, it's a little sunnier, okay. a little further north. Right. Uh, As, uh, around Esmeralda, huh? Not that far. Maybe around Bahia. <laughs> I see. <laughs> Esmeralda, for the audience, is a very interesting town. It gets to get you sidetracked here, Scott. Uh, it's yeah. up close to the Colombian border, and uh, I don't know how many hundreds of years ago there was a slave ship that that crashed uh, and sank off the coast, and all the slaves, the ones that could escape and swam in, founded Esmeralda, and it's basically a black city uh, here in Ecuador. Yep. yep. I've not been there, so if I, I do move up in that area, I may go visit, you know, check it out, you know. I got a funny story for you. This gal that I knew here uh, that was Russian, she was a translator. She lived down here in South America for years and uh, speaks the language very well. And um, she was being a translator for this Russian kind of oligarch guy that had uh, was making a movie here. Okay, and uh, all the actors and actresses are Russian, and she was the translator. Okay, and so they were taking a break. They wanted to go to Esmeralda, and so they were in a taxi, and they were going into Esmeralda, and they stopped to try and get some directions. You know, and Alina is her name, and Alina said, "Well, well stop somebody." Said, "Well, where where's the square?" And he said, "We don't have a square." She said something, ask another question. He said, we don't have that. And she said, well, where do the gringos hang out? He said, we ain't got no gringos. <laughs> <laughs> Gringo free. I always got it. I got a kick out of that. <laughs> ain't no blue-eyed devils up here. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> So anyway, sorry to get you sidetracked, Scott. So you're going to move up the coast, huh? And you were going to tell yeah, us something uh, about country music was why well, you yeah, why let me, you in, let me get back to what I, my, okay. my, my, my two cents in here. Okay. Is, uh, recently, <laughs> I met a younger uh, Venezuelan couple that had to escape, you know, so they could eat. Uh, they've been here a couple of years. Really nice couple, and they speak, you know, pretty good English and everything. <clears throat> but they love Southern heritage, you know, yeah. in the States. Oh, cool. And, uh. They said, "Will you send us some music, southern music, country music?" And I'm, you know, I'm a big country fan. I also love southern rock and traditional rock, uh, and all that kind of stuff. I said, "You betcha!" So I have been loading them up with uh, Furlan Husky. Oh my lord! Uh, Waylon Willie, Ernest uh, Tubb. Yeah, all the old uh, Lester Flat. Uh, uh, how, how about it? how about Hank? All the Hanks. Mm-hmm. All the Hanks, senior, not not junior, not, not junior, senior, senior is the one I like. Oh yeah, Hanks T, senior, Hank Jr. and Hank the Three. You know that's right. And, yeah, uh, yep. and he loves. He's about forty, I think. She's thirty-five, and he loves Hank Three. Really? And, uh, yeah, he's a pretty. I saw a video of him the other day, and there was somebody was interviewing him about his granddaddy and all that stuff. Pretty, uh, yeah, pretty sharp young man. Image. Yeah. yeah, he's uh he's as rebellious. He's probably more rebellious than his dad and his granddad. And uh, he did not want to ride on the fame of his of his name, so he's kind of like screw you Nashville and screw you 
since they sold out, you know, the pop country type crap. And mm-hmm. he's he play he loves heavy metal, but he he's also loves his country roots. And man, he he sounds like if you ever listen to him, maybe you got a bunch of YouTube videos. He sounds just like Grandpa. He does in many respects. That video I heard of him, he was a lot of similarities there. I was yeah. my daddy raised me on a whole variety of music. I mean, light classical, heavy classical, uh, a big band, and a lot of country and a lot of Hank Williams. My daddy loved Hank Williams. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, this guy loves him, and uh, he's a talented guy, man, and his and had his demons, just like a lot of people with those talents. They got their demons, and those are the demons. That, those are the ones. Those are the ones that drive them. That attribute so heavily to their success, and once they become successful, then a lot of them lose that inspiration because life isn't hard anymore, and they don't have those emotions pouring out of them to write about. As the driver, yeah, you're right. You know, you know, life. You know, life turns into you got everything at your beck and call. There's no struggle, no yep. effort left. Yeah, no pain, know? no gain. You know, <laughs> yeah, in so many ways. But uh, but anyway, I've had a blast turning these guys on to country music, and they're loving it. And then I'm turning them on to southern southern rock and roll, uh, Leonard Skinner, ZZ Top, and, uh, and all those guys too. And they're just they're just loving it and sending all this new music back to their family and friends in venezuela um i, I meet uh, i'll tell you for the I audience said, man, this is uh, met- i'm having so much fun turning these guys on the music and watching them get so having so much fun enjoying it what a what a tragedy next door over there in venezuela and i've met a number of venezuelans here occasionally you know and they're educated many of them speak english whatever work they're doing they're they they do it really well and you can't really say that about the ecuadorians necessarily and uh they're they're a real a a real sharp uh, of ethnicity over there the venezuelans it's so sad to see what's happened to that country it is because both these guys he's a landscape architect she's a building architect uh super sharp right they're doing they moved here uh because you know because of what's going on in venezuela uh, to eat and they've managed to get online jobs through american agencies and they're making a living no good for uh, them you know doing everything via the internet because they're they know they're they know their way around uh you know on the internet and how to and how to interact and uh and, and you know how to like you said, disciplined, educated. They just got screwed. You know, whole country got screwed. You know. Yep. And, uh, it's a shame because, like yep. you said, just very nice, sharp uh, people. You know, beautiful country. Um, and it's a shame. Well, you know what you could do, Scott, for them when you get when you get your Hyperverse account funded and everything. This is one thing we can do with Hyperverse to help people. Okay, is to take and set them up with a free account and give them whatever you want to give them to start their uh, uh, their their Hyperverse account and let them go ahead and do rebuys, even if it's a minimal amount, and that'll even add up to something pretty damn impressive to them in twenty months. So there's another application of Hyperverse where you can really utilize it to help people. And you help yourself yep. at the same time, so it's a uh, it's one of those mutually uh, beneficial situations. They call those they call it a win win situation. Yeah, Roger. Yeah, yeah. Yep, <laughs> yep, yep. But it's funny. We were down here on the the Lone Beach Bar down here in Korea, listening to Hank Williams the Third the other night. Were you? You know. Oh, and I'm just. I mean, it's touched my soul because I you know there's just not that many people. Most people, 
as y'all know, they don't like country music. And they said it's all so so sad and depressing. I said, no, it's not. I said, there's a lot. There's a lot of great no. stories. I, I got drunk. And, and my music, wife left me, and I got the writers. Yeah, yeah you know, I got so. drunk. My wife left, and I got hit by a train. You know, yeah, that kind of thing. Uh huh. Right. And in the now modern day country music, my electric my electric car left me. <laughs> well, I can tell you one thing about the old days. It was very interesting when I was active in the business there, and many I had a regional country guy, but he had thirteen states. So whenever uh, I I could or he needed me, I would fill in and double in on his side. In other words, if I was in Augusta, which I refer to as Disgusta, uh, if I was over in Disgusta and uh, something happened, I need to go to the country station, even though I was over there, the main station. Augusta's got a really important radio station called WBBQ, Barbecue, and uh, a pivotal station in the southeast, and uh, uh, I had to go over there a lot, and um, so I might be over there and, and need to go by the country guys too for doyle you know he was my country guy and uh if you if you're setting up something going to town and you call the pop guy you know they go where are you staying what hotel are you staying in and where are you going to take us to dinner you know and all that stuff and if you call the country guys and they go well you're not staying in a hotel you're going to come here and stay with us we're not going out to eat mama's going to cook you some biscuits and gravy Okay, that's the difference in those two in those two formats. I think it's changed a bit now, but that's the way it used to be, and it was very refreshing to get to work with a lot of those much more grounded, down to earth people in the countryside. I'm going to tell you. Sure, sure. Well, I even uh, she even wanted some country country food recipes. Ooh, uh, get again that sawmill gravy and them scoured, good biscuits. I, mm-hmm. I scoured some uh, some what looked really really good recipes. Simple. You know, nothing overcomplicated, but so she cooked, uh, you know, she took fried chicken on the, in the skillet and some fried tomatoes, mashed potatoes, green beans. And I had a, like a, I had a fairly close, uh, you know, traditional sun, Southern country meal by a young Venezuelan woman. She cooked cooked you up some fried green tomatoes. Did she Scott? Yes, sir. Oh my Lord of mercy. Driving me crazy. So she goes, I love this. He goes, we love this. He goes, you know, just send me whatever. You, they're just they're just gobbling up. Some grits. Did you, you have some southern, grits? Uh, <laughs> not yet, but, you know. Uh, <laughs> I miss my But to me, now. it's just uh, uh, mentally, it's just uplifting to me to see young people really enjoying it, you know. That's uh, good. Because you just rarely get that, you know. And especially, you know, you think about this, somebody from a foreign country. Yeah, right. And they're, and they're young, right. you know. That's very cool. And they're loving all this old traditional uh, southernisms, you know. And I'm trying to, like you said earlier, talking about the Scotch-Irish heritage and, you know, where they settled. And I kind of explained that a little bit to them, too, oh, so yeah. they can get a little bit better gist of of the south. Way down there. Uh, I live up there in the holler. Yeah. yeah. Mark, see what you started here? <laughs> yeah. Well, 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 and listen, these young people, the younger people – these Venezuelans who are outside the box and they they're 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 soul they have sensitive souls and this is what that's what it's it it's it 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 inspires their soul it, that to me because these stories of you know these sto- their stories their conversations yeah. of stories and now, in the modern the modern music it's it totally, I mean most of it sucks it, it's not right, it's exactly. not it's it's, it's not plucking crap. at our heartstrings well, it's just, corporate, hey, corporate, hey, corporate crap it's know. not music anymore. It's all rhythms. 
Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, well, I just I, I, I wanted to throw in my story there about the Venezuelans, you know, uh, and because uh, I'm, I'm glad you brought all this uh, the Southern history of music up. That's entertaining to me too. Well, so uh, sometimes you just got to get away from the you know normal stuff we do, and that's the beauty of this for, format is we got all you folks out there with all these different ideas and experiences and things to add, and we can have these group discussions as opposed to well, Sam, who's the next caller? <laughs> you know that kind of deal. <laughs> I like this much better. By, by the way, by the way, by the way, Roger. I want to, and on that note, what I want to want to appeal to and throw down a challenge here is, uh, you know, is because I've wondered. I'm, I'm thinking, well, where are the where are the rebels at? You know, making songs about what's really going on. But it, it may be that the the music business is so controlled from the top down that they're wow. they're censoring out any 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 reach through to. To true truth and and I'll, reality and I'll give, yeah, you, so. I'll give you a perfect example. You know the guy that sings the theme song there for Stat Miller's old show. We got to take America back, and I can't remember his name. Um, he uh, wrote a lot of very good patriotic songs. He had a deal with RCA, and they cut him loose. Okay, uh, they they do not want this stuff in any kind of established music business. Now, what has happened with the internet, though? And especially since the advent of cryptocurrencies, and especially since Ethereum with its uh, its contract aspect there. Okay, I can't remember what they call it, but there's a contract aspect where it has to be checked and before it moves to the next stage and all that. Is uh, one of the, some of these gals started going direct to the customers and bypassing the record company, and they've been very successful at it. Okay, and that's good. They need to bypass record companies. They're a bunch of damn thieves. All right. Now, I was thinking a minute ago, you know, I had in those days here I am in my early 20s. I'm working four and a half states for Mercury Records. At that point, the high days, the the high decade of the music industry was the 70s. 60s kind of introduced it, but the 70s is when it really took effect. Okay, And that's when I was actively working in the business. And I'm not kidding you. I could open any door in four and a half states as a young man in my 20, early 20s just by calling up some mayor or something and going, I'm Roger Sales with Mercury Records. I'd like to see about setting up a promotion in your town for so-and-so. And I, wow. it's way too much power for a young kid. Okay, I'm gonna tell you. Okay, ruined my marriage. Uh, you know, it had a, a, it just too much power for a young man. Um, but when we, I had this basically an unlimited expense account. So, but when we, I'd go out to eat all the time, I got sick of going out to restaurants. I wanted to eat at home. You know, really. You get tired of it after a while. But anytime you go out, you always had to put some artist's name on the expense account that you talked about their product. And it was later on that I realized because they'd take the whole cost of whatever you spent and they'd go pull it off of the artist's royalties. They weren't going to eat it. Oh, really? Yeah, for real. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, on that, I want to appeal to you because – because uh, there's a lot of inform- a lot of stuff coming through me right now, and, and but one of them is go to the highest. Okay, so here we have here we have somebody that's in the movie business, and he's big, and he's I think he's got Scottish blood because let's see, oh yeah, he was the one to put together Braveheart, wasn't he? Yeah, Bruce Willis. You're talking about. Of- you know, by the way, he's just retired from the movie industry. It looks like he's got a backlash from a vaccine, but they haven't made that public. If you didn't know that. 
You'll not see any more Bruce Willis movies. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about Bruce Willis. I'm talking about Mel Gibson. Oh, that's that's who I'm thinking of. Mel Okay. Well, which one okay. is it, Mel Gibson or Bruce Willis? No, then? Bruce Willis got Bruce Willis got he's got uh, I forget what you call it, cathasia or something. Well, like they're that. calling it something where he, where he can't talk and is loses his memory yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Okay, so here's well, I the got thing. Him confused. Mel, Sorry. Mel Gibson has made a lot of movies that that is speaking to all of us on the planet Earth. Yeah. To reveal that there's some there's some other stuff been going on yeah I mean, he can't he can't bring it out point blank because then he'll be blacklisted totally but but and he got he got in some trouble for for saying something when he was had a little bit too much to drink one time from yes. what i understand but he knows that he's he's searching for the truth so my point is and i don't know i don't know if anybody out there uh what i'm going to put forth is a challenge that we reach to mel gibson and we get roger's book to mel gibson that'd be a good idea. and with your with with your addendum, Roger, with your addendum, the the, the, the one later I, the one I need to write, yeah, or you know, or or, or, Speak voice or whatever through, through right. the yeah through the interview, and that's one person. Now the other person, uh, uh, is uh, Roger Waters is coming to my mind. Yes, Roger yes. Waters, and he's and he's a rebel. He's a rebel uh, standing against the, the bastards. Uh, and he was. And a lot, people don't know this, and I didn't know this that he he was one of the founders of uh, Pink Floyd. Uh-huh. But, then he, but then he then he broke away from he. But then right. he broke away from Pink Floyd. But but our, my understanding he's 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 trying to he's stirring it up in a good way at, at, a, at a at a high level. So that's another person. Yeah. So Nugent uh, too. Somebody just injected Ted Nugent. Yeah, we Nugent, don't want to yeah. we don't yeah. want to forget him. He does great work. Yeah. So. Uh, so go to the highest and and take a chance because if, if they'll give you if they would give you the I mean they would take it seriously because this could to me that to me this thing is it's it's hey, it's not in here, it's not Mark. in so much what it's not it's not in so much what we're like doing 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 it's about being when, when I when I re grasp who I really am, what I really am. And that's, see, that's what you brought to me, Roger. You brought to me what I really am. Exactly. I'm a free man and I've been, but I've been operating as, as if I'm a blind man and I don't, you know, but yet I thought I was free. Right. Okay. I mean, to a degree, I thought I was free and most of us have, and, but they're, and they're getting ready to bring on some heavy duty stuff to us. And so it's, the time for awakening is now. And this is uh, anyway. That's just one I wanted to share. Well, let me just expand on that just a bit because you're talking about getting to these people, and I mean, I've been trying to get to big people with this for many years, and I've yet to be able to even get a response from somebody. So that's not the answer, at least coming from me. Okay, the answer is coming from somebody else, and that's why if you're ever in the sales game, they talk about third party referrals. Because third-party oh, yeah. referrals are always stronger than direct referrals, okay? Because oh, yeah, I, yeah. I go to somebody, go, I got the key to the matrix. Sure, kid, go ahead, get away, you know? But if it's somebody they know or somebody else coming to them and go, you need to listen to what this guy, Roger Sales, has got to say. This is really important. They'll listen to that or they won't listen to me. And that's why this one at a time, eat an elephant one bite at a time, taking each one of you guys, getting you settled in, getting you educated where you understand it, getting you on your way to your re-empowerment position. And you see, here's what we don't know, Mark, is you never know who somebody knows. 
Okay. Exactly. You, you never, never know, know somebody who somebody knows. And that person that seems the least likely and the person that would never do anything is the guy that knows Roger Waters' brother. For however, or maybe, you know. or, or, or maybe, or maybe it's maybe it's a waitress that waits on him at a little cafe that you, he goes to. You flat never know, see, and, and that's why I take everybody that comes here that's wanting information and want to get educated. I take it very seriously, and I'll help anybody that's serious about wanting to learn this. Okay, and that's the reason because I don't want to cheat you out of it if you want your freedom. But you never know who somebody knows, and every time we get one more person in here we become stronger okay we're not a, a group of weak piss herd-minded people that want to go suck off the government tit we're people that are independently free and want to stand on our own personal responsibility and that makes us a group of a whole different character of persons and on that note roger i'd like to say this and you're you're free to use this at any time my reference to uh uh i don't tangle with tornadoes and I don't haggle with hyenas. These these guys that are giving you trouble on the radio programs. They're they're they're. If you were to put that forth to them, and say, well, look, if you're searching for truth, I'm, we're all about that. But if you want, if you if you're not, then you. I don't want to haggle with. I don't haggle right. with hyenas. Yeah, I don't. Like, you know? I don't do that anymore. And the reason for it, and this is why I tell all those guys, Ron Ron McDonald and Mitch and whoever that Joker was that called in that one time from the sack uh, from Silicon Valley out there. Can you dispute any of my facts? I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna argue with you on conclusions. Can you dispute any facts? Well, nobody's ever disputed one fact, but they keep continue to come back on these ad hominem attacks because that's the only way they can attack me. And I'm not gonna get into. You know, here's here's the saying, Mark: Never wrestle with a pig. All you can do is get dirty, and the pig likes it. Yeah, that's good too. Yeah, okay. that's good too. Yeah. So that's the way I look at this, and that's why when Charlie from Florida called in the other night there on RBN, this attorney was I said, I don't even want to talk about it. I get two hours with this wonderful audience per week, and I'm not going to get distracted on some idiot attorney that doesn't, first of all, doesn't know what he's talking about. So he's functionally illiterate. He's intellectually lazy. Okay, and obviously he's got no legal research skills because any how how much of a legal research skill does it take to go to Wikipedia? Not too much. Okay, and there's the whole national thing spelled out in notoriously corrupt Wikipedia under citizenship of the United States. If you haven't looked at that, you need to. Okay, you may not have known about it. Go to Wikipedia or go to a search engine, put citizenship of the United States in. One of the things that pops up will be the Wikipedia entry. Go over to that page. The first two paragraphs deal with the 14th Amendment. Then it quotes the first part of the 14th Amendment. And the third paragraph under there starts out with, I believe, in italics now, nationality status. I believe that's what it says. It's in italics, and there's no link associated with it. There's no hot link there. Usually when they italicize something, there's a hot link underneath it, isn't there? I mean, usually out yeah, there. Usually, usually. usually yeah, yeah, well, there ain't no hot link here, but it's in italics. And that whole paragraph is about state citizenship. So there's your national status right there, idiot. 
You know, I mean, there's a myriad of court cases you can go back and look at with point blank, you know, uh, uh, language and decisions is pretty clear that we have a whole history of these things called the Jim Crow laws. Did you not? You not you don't know about them either. You don't know there's two different statuses. Okay, so I'm not going to waste my time. I wouldn't give that dipshit Ron Ron O'Donnell, McDonnell, I call him because he's a clown. I won't let him build his reputation off of my hard work that's genuine and sincere and accurate. I'm not going to have that happen. Yeah, that's what gets me. That's what gets me, Roger. How many people are out there and they 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 don't take they don't take a serious inquiry on their own into this stuff and i have from what you brought to my attention and it makes sense to me and the other thing i appreciate about you roger is that you acknowledge the person you acknowledge a valid a valid query a valid question and and you take the time and you've repeat i'm like how many times does roger have to repeat this you've repeated this so many times and and I, and to a degree, I'm okay with that because because it, it, because the next time somebody asks the same question that's been asked before, this time my frame of mind might be different, and I might see it in a different way. So there there's something okay about the repetitiveness of it, but because we've been we this stuff has been thrown at us before we came along, and it's like in our bones that so we we really have to dig deep to get it. I mean, really get at the significance of this. I mean, it just, it just, to me, this is soul stirring. This is, this is deep. It's life changing, you know, and it, but it's, but it's got to be for the right people. And that's the thing that's yeah. overriding. It hits me the deeper I get into it. Is it's just not for everybody. I wish it was. You'd think it would be, but it's not. It's like Deanna Spingola said. You know, when I was giving that interview with her, she said, "Well, wouldn't everybody want to do this?" I said, "Hold on, Deanna. Don't get your hopes up." Okay, because you're going to be really dashed, flattered, and a flitter if you go into this with that kind of an attitude. Because no. Not everybody wants to do this. And, you know, again, the, in, in AA, because my father was AA for many years, you know, there's a, do you know what the most common thing is that causes alcoholics who have been sober to fall off the wagon and start drinking again? Mark, do you know what that is? No, Ex- I do not. Expectations of other people. Only change yourself. Ex- Having expectations of other people you've projected onto them, wanting them to glom onto this or do that, and they don't do it, and it destroys you. Don't have expectations of other people. Hey, Mer. Oh. Now, there was somebody else there too, right? Let them go ahead if you want. Well, Scott, anybody? I mean, we got kind of an open forum here Samuel. talking about music stuff. Samuel, where have you been? Were you working this week? Yeah, I figured. Long commute too, so the least of my likes. I don't like driving much. But, yeah, don't blame um, you. How you doing, man? I know that you're aware of this, Roger, but you know the the difference between Ron O'Donnell and Ron McDonald is night and day, <laughs> and. Yeah, one of them's a real McDonald, clown. McDonald is no, no. There's a real Ron McDonald that wrote the book. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, that Ron McDonald. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't yeah, want to right. despair. I don't want to disparage him. I keep thinking right. about the clown. I was going to say the difference right. between Ronald O'Donnell and Ron McDonald is one of them's a real clown, and the other's just trying to be. <laughs> well, O'Donnell's the clown, and and you know this guy Mitch. I told you I'm going to get that guy. And, <laughs> 
I'm oh, Mitch from Memphis. Ron McDonald. Ron <laughs> McDonald is going to help me poke a hole in another one of those Mitch Mitchologies. Is, is, is Mitch also. is Mitch bugging poor old Ron McDonald there on Monday nights? Is he giving him a bunch of crap too? No, but uh, I'm pretty sure Ron McDonald has a land patent or at least a lodial title, and uh, I'm going to be challenging Mitch because that's another thing Mitch doesn't believe exists. And uh, so I'm going to get Rhonda. Well, you know, Mitch is listening to the wrong network. He needs to be listening to CNN or something a little bit more, it seems like. Well, Rich was it's invested in this. He was shooting it all down through mostly um, Avery because Avery would agree with him. So he was invested in trying to destroy you oh. and land patents. Oh, okay. So he's got a vendetta. Why you know oh, he wants look, to make himself right. I try and I try and be the nicest he's guy. Out. Get out of property tax. Oh, okay, all right. I'm I'm trying to deal with everybody. I try and be nice. Sometimes people just won't let you be nice to them. But I I mean I try and answer people's questions. I put all these facts out there. Not one of them's ever been disputed. But they come after me. So obviously the problems with them. Yeah. Well, Mitch is an. Well, you should see how they do in rev radio chat room <laughs> well, i always get them everywhere anyway but hey i wanted to tell you guys uh, you know kiss you know what that acronym stands for uh keep it simple stupid is what i heard no knights in satan's service it wouldn't surprise me a bit oh yeah his name's heim wits or yeah wits w-i-t-z c-h-a-i-m now he's I, he had a, a leader there came out re, get your vaccines. I don't know if you heard that or not. No, I don't listen to any of them. Well, I just heard. No, I don't yeah, listen to him. I just heard it just come come by. Some Hold it! Somebody, somebody's just got. Messing with the music goes back. Somebody's in their change drawer or something. I think that's Samuel. Okay, thank you. Go ahead, Mer. <laughs> yeah, it's messing with the music. It's all through time, but like Wagner, okay, classical music. Vag, Vag, Wagner, sure, Wagner, Wagner, you're right, Wagner. But the Jews would make sure that whatever music they didn't want, they would make sure they didn't get any opportunity and they'd got, get nothing but bad press. Right. And then their classical artists would make it not classical anymore. They'd always bump it up into being something else that would be nerve-wracking. <laughs> Like they've done, they've changed, you know, the 440 hertz, which is the worst it can be. And they made that official, that Rockefeller Institute and, and some others. But Rockefeller's real name is Rogenfelder. They're Sephardic Jews from Holland, Holland or something. I heard somebody talking about that the other day, actually. Yeah. Well, they came through Turkey is the, is the one thing. But, and that's what yeah, these Boston, <laughs> listen, that's what this whole Boston thing was about, how they had the total monopoly in Turkey growing opium plants back then. I'm going to post that today. Mm-hmm. I think you guys will finally, finally get some, you know, some of the ancient peaches, the ancient pieces put together correctly, if you watch this. This Kanji Jackson is related to Oh, my God. They bring her up and the reason she's gotten nominated in this. And then this talk, mm-hmm. okay? She's got something to do. She's yeah, a pil- She's a pilgrim. She's married to a white guy. Do you know that? She's married to a white guy, mm-hmm. and I believe she's a pilgrim. I, and Kamala Kamala Harris is a is a pilgrim also, and she's married it's to a Jew. Paul Ryan, Paul Ryan's wife's brother is her something. I don't know <laughs> some relation there. But yeah, so it's 
it's all kind of inbred there, incestuous. But uh, Equicentric posted so some good uh, links it, here in the chat room, uh, Mark, about Andersonville. And I found an audio book that's eight and a half hours long oh. on Andersonville. Wow, I'm going to have to check yeah. that out. Did you, can, can you post it? Yeah, they're in the chat room. And if you want to drop your email in there, I don't think I don't know if I have it or not. And I could just uh, you know send the stuff to you too. I have it over in the rogersales.chatango.com. So. Which I'm sorry I don't promote the the chats, Murrah. Oh, just no, flat forget about it. You know, I just you don't have to. Well, that's why I was saying about this other one, this two radio ranch. Right. That's for uh, the Sunday exactly. night munch, right? Yeah, yeah. And I don't, you know, if you if you think about it, that's fine. Uh-huh. You know. See, this was the thing that I think Stat Miller was trying to, you know, get this TLB talk thing going. And uh, but these chatangers are just great because they're, you know, free. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, I can, think uh, that's you know, one of the them, you can, that's one of the reasons he reached out to Tom D. I believe was to start that TLB Talk dot uh, com site for him. And mm-hmm. Tom's picked up the ball. Tom's a nice guy. I enjoy working with him. Right. And he's a nice person. Well, really. Roger Landry's, you know. There, mm, okay. Landry's the TLB thing. I see. Yeah. Uh, we're about yeah. to run out of time here, but we we didn't get a bunch of real concerted political stuff done today. But sometimes you just need to take a break. I want to appreciate, uh, at least recognize Mark, and I, I appreciate all the compliments that you gave me, and uh, I I try and you know I just feel like this is my duty, and this is uh, the way my mama raised me. You know, my my mama and daddy raised me to uh, respect people and be polite and try and help people and all those kind of good virtues and uh, uh and i've always tried to live uh, that uh, way and uh, sometimes people make it real difficult and sometimes impossible for you to act that way and treat them like that but that's what i try to do and as i tell each and every one of you and it's hard maybe some of you are starting to understand is how important each and every one of you are to me whether you're on here having a dialogue whether you're listening on archives later or whether you you know just listening on the live stream i just appreciate and care about each and every one of you man because you have no idea what i've gone through personally to find you and for us to get connected okay but if you go out and start teaching this to other people you'll find out real quick what i'm talking about you'll relate to it a lot quicker uh so uh jimbo are you on there with us on you might be a little early i'm not quite ready to turn it over to you but i bet you're right there somewhere aren't you I am here, and by the way, Steve Voss is the guy. Steve Voss, that's exactly who I was talking about. He had a a nice, fat contract with RCA, and they wouldn't put his records out for all the tea in China. Yeah, I met him back in 2013, and he's a great guy. Yes, yes, I always remember. But, you know, we're not going to take the country back. We've got to rebuild. Because if you you took the country back – You'd be like Biden being the goat as the whole thing falls in on you. Let it fall. Let's go back. Let the people that won't listen come to whatever end they're going to come to in whatever way, and we step back in. But when we step back in, we got to have this knowledge because if we're going to rebuild, it's got to be built on a firm foundation. We know where the loopholes were, and we know how to get them closed, and we know who the enemy are, and we know how to get them out of our lives. So those are the things we know now, and that's hopefully what we can exercise down the road. That's what I'm trying to accomplish here. Yeah, the big guy gave us our basic need, but we got to do the rest. Yep, yep. Roger, I think you got muted. Uh, no, am I here? 
Am I not here? How in the world did I get muted? I did. Well, how did I get muted? Somebody must have muted me. Okay. Anyway, uh, I will hear the whistler in a minute. I don't think he's muted. And uh, that signifies that I'm out of here. Jimbo, what you got on the plate today? Well, we're probably going to talk a little bit more about Steve Voss. Okay, good. <laughs> we're going to talk about my bank. I got an update um, on my uh, bank account that they closed. Yeah. And his stupid $600 reporting stuff that he just got into the law with that Build Back Better legislation. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. Well, that's very interesting. I'm wondering, because I've never notified Wells Fargo my national status, but they've got my Social Security number, and me and the IRS parted ways 23 or 4 years ago or something, and uh, I imagine anything that gets reported over on that social, they just go, boy, don't touch this guy. (laughs) We don't want anything to do with him. (laughs) I'm beginning to wonder, because I I set up this account back 23 years ago. Yes, I've heard you say that, yeah. No social and uh, they they said you know everything was fine until uh, a couple of weeks ago when i started getting some payments by zelle for people that were uh, getting started in hyperverse and uh, next thing you know i get this notice from the bank saying uh, we need your updated tax record red flag red flag red flag <laughs> so i said i gave them the same form i gave them in 1999 took it in gave it to the same person i signed up with the account with uh, she's still there. And uh, two days after they sent me the letter, and then I get this letter back, well, I'll just save it for my show. <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to be listening, so we'll catch up on Don't want to let the cat out of the bag too early here. We had not even handed the baton off officially yet, which we're about to do. Uh, thank you, guys. Good good discussion today. I like to relive a lot of those memories, you know. Uh, that was a very instrumental time in my life, and it was a really important time in relation to something most of us really love, which is music. And uh, there's some great stories, man. I had I have some hellacious experiences in those years. So anyway, maybe we'll get back tomorrow talking about good things that are real important to everybody in the way of the political freedom. And uh, uh, I love to have those discussions, as you know. So thank you, guys. Have a good day. I'm on some little call tonight in New York to a bunch of people inside New York. So we may have some new New Yorkers coming on board here pretty quick. Now, I'll put this... uh, Boston thing at the end of the show description and we're knocked off the server and